Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. Thank you for being in church today. Some of you, this is the first time you've ever been to second service because you look down at your clock and realize you overslept in first. And um, so I'm glad that you're here. We are in uh, the third week of this series called Live 10. And um, we're going to talk about something a little bit stretching today. We're going to talk about your imagination today. Your imagination today. And uh, I hope to stretch you a little bit. And it's stretching to me when I was preparing for it. And so I hope it is the same for you. Thanks so much. How many of you have ever been to Disneyland or Walt Disney World? Would you raise your hand? Buzz Price is uh, legendary around Walt Disneyland and Walt Disney World. He was right out of Stanford Business School, and Walt Disney himself called him and a couple of architects together. And Walt had been asking for these architects, Buzz particularly, to help him to visualize a new kind of amusement park. Amusement parks weren't new, but the kind that Walt Disney was envisioning was new. Walt, in his mind, had designed a staged set of activity, but he was using a different architectural language than anyone had ever used before. And so they had this first meeting, Buzz, Price is there and other architects, junior architects are there and they're in this one-story temporary building that had been set up on the uh, Disney lot that they were temporarily using just as a creative headquarters for this new amusement park. And so Walt is in this meeting and he is describing this new amusement park. There is Buzz Price on your right, uh, on the right of the screen and Walt Disney on the left of the screen. And so they're talking about this, and Walt is describing what's in his mind, and to Buzz Price and the other architects, it sounded so strange, and it was unlike anything they had ever seen before, or anything that you would expect in an amusement park. You see, most amusement parks up until this time were planned like a grid. They had streets that ran perpendicular and parallel to one another. They were planned out in squares and in a grid, and uh, on all four sides of that amusement park, there were entrances and exits. You could come in and out at any point of that grid. And so Walt was designing something totally different than that. His concept was of a single park entrance that you pass through. Everybody had to go through the same single entrance, and then you walked through this turn-of-the-century Main Street. Have you been there? You know what that's like Main Street USA in Disneyland or in Disney World. This area would then, once you sort of walk through that main entrance and down that main street, you would then feed off radially into four thematic activity areas, the world of tomorrow, Fantasyland, Frontierland, and Adventureland. All of those would be hidden behind the Magic Kingdom. All of them would be hidden behind this main street. And so most amusement parks at the time wanted maximum street visibility. They wanted you to be able to see the rides. How many of you like to ride roller coasters? Would you raise your hands? Keep them up? This Wednesday night, if you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, <laughs> your hands are raised. My wife loves roller coasters. I do not like roller coasters. That's why SeaWorld's my favorite theme park because I ride all the 
all the shows. <laughs> and she rides all the rides. And when we walk into an amusement park, her first thought is we stand in the center and see and plan and map where it is that I'm going to hold her purse so she can ride <laughs> the rides. But at Disneyland, you couldn't see anything. They were hidden behind everything. And so it was so different than anything they had ever seen. Buzz Price is famously quoted as saying, whereas the typical amusement park offered games and rides, Walt's major investment would be that he is committed to creating a storytelling environment more than just rides. And the park would be located in Southern California, and he needed 160 acres in Southern California. And he was in a hurry. It was 1953, and he wanted to cut the ribbon in 1955, and they hadn't drawn anything. It was just a concept. Buzz looks at Mr. Disney. This is a famous story turned around this time. Buzz Price looks at Mr. Disney, who was sort of an authoritarian in the Disney organization, and he asked him, Mr. Disney, do you have any place in mind in Southern California? 160 acres is hard to come by. You happen to have a place in your mind. I'm sure you've already started thinking about where. You've probably already negotiated a deal. You probably already have a plan. And Walt Disney sort of raised his voice and slammed his fist down on the table and said famously, that's what I hired you for. And so in two years, Buzz Price found 160 acres in Anaheim, California, and they built and opened Walt Disneyland. So here's my question to you. Where did Disneyland and Disney World start? Did it begin in Anaheim, California and in Orlando, Florida? Or did Disneyland and Disney World start somewhere else? The answer is Disneyland started in Walt Disney's mind. He sat down and he talked to these guys about what he had in his mind. It existed before it was created. I'm already preaching better than your amen it existed before it was created. Get your notepad out. I told you, you're going to have to write this down and talk to your wife about it. And she's going to have to explain it to you tonight. It's that kind of stretching stuff. It was in his mind before it ever existed. But in Walt Disney's mind in 1953, Disneyland was open for business. In Walt Disney's mind, two years before the first child ever rode a ride or any family ever walked down Main Street, USA, Disneyland was in existence because it existed in his mind. Now here's my question for you. Where did Walt Disney get the capacity to imagine and create this new reality? The answer is very simple. Walt Disney has the capacity to be a creator from his creator. God gave Walt Disney the capacity to imagine something that wasn't and it would eventually become what was. Now, if God can give Walt Disney that same capacity, it begs the question, who else has that same capacity? The answer is every single person under the sound of my voice has the ability, because we are created in the image of God, to imagine what we believe to be our best possible future and then create that best possible future. Say amen to that. We have the ability in our minds. Point to your head. To just poke yourself right in the dome. Just Most all of my problems are right here. Most all of my issues are right here. Most all of my sin originates right here. Most all of my struggles are right here. 
Most all of my failures start here. In my mind is the battle fought and the battle won. In my mind. Now, we're talking about living a 10 life. And John 10 and 10 of the message says, I came so they could have real and eternal life, more and better life. How many of you need a better life? Would you just raise your hand? You don't say you got a bad life, but I could use a better life. Keep your hands raised. Look around. Whoever doesn't have their hands raised, you need to go sit by them. I got a good life, but I want a better life. I got a good marriage, Brother Leroy, but I need a better marriage. I got a good spiritual life, but I need a better spiritual life. I got a good prayer life, but I need a better prayer life. I got a good job, but I'd love a better job. I got a good car, but I'd like a better car. Y'all don't, y'all don't think like that. I, I got a good house, Brother Anson, but I need a, it'd be nice to have a better house. I got good clothes, but it'd be nice to have better clothes, like Pastor Josh. I got a decent haircut, but, no, you can, you can change your haircut. <laughs> I, I got it okay, but it'd be better if I could have better. And so Jesus said, I came so you could have better life. And I love how he says you could have better life, not that you could just look around and compare yours to somebody else. Well, they got a good life, and he's got a good life, and she's got a good life. Jesus said, no, I want you to have a better life than you can even dream about. I want you to have a better life than what's in your head right now. How could our lives be better than we ever dreamed of? How could our lives surpass what... Our dreams can be. Let me help you with that. I hope you're taking notes. Write this down. The first thing that you have to do is you have to... You're not writing it down. You have to awaken yourself to a better life. Another word for awaken is exposure. i got to be exposed to a better life. Let me help you with this. If you're broke, you don't need broke friends. Now, there's two reasons why you don't need broke friends. Number one, when you need a loan, they ain't going to help. Number two, you can't ever learn how to not be broke hanging out with broke folk. That's why I hang out with Brother Richard Weston, because I'm, I'm ready to get out of this. Listen, if you, don't want, if you want a better job, why would you hang around with all the people that hate their job? So y'all can talk about how much you hate your job and how much you hate your job and how bad your boss is and how bad their boss is. If you've got a bad marriage, why in the devil would you hook up with couples that hate each other? If I, had a, if I was struggling my marriage, I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd come to church and I'd find me somebody like the Godwins who've been married a little bit longer than me and they're happy and they're smiling every time they come to church and I'd go to Bob Godwin and I'd say elder tell me how to have a good marriage because I don't have a good marriage right now I need some help I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta expose myself and awaken myself to something better here's the reason why we don't like to do that because the moment that you're exposed to better you're held accountable to better it's easier for me to just hang around broke people because I don't feel so bad I'm broke and they're broke. We're broke together. We can talk about how broke we are together. They make me feel not so broke, Doug. That's what I love about hanging around you. We don't feel so broke together. I'm kidding. I'm randomly picking people out of the crowd. I don't feel so broke. It makes my malady not feel so bad when I get around people have the same problem I do. When I hang around folks that have the same thing that's, that, that I've got wrong with me, I don't feel so bad about my thing. But the moment that I engage myself or I'm awakened to something that's better than, then I'm held accountable that if 
If they can do it, I can do it. So I got to awaken myself to that. Say awaken. Come on, say awaken. Then I got to engage myself. I have to engage my imagination. I got to think better than I'm thinking right now. I had to mow the grass when I was a kid. How many of you, your parents abused you the same way? How many of you like to mow your grass? You like to? Yeah. Some people like that. If you like it, I'm looking for a yard man. I don't like it. Growing up, we, uh, we moved into a house when I was 12 years old. It had a large, large lot. And I'll never forget, uh, we grew up in Arkansas, Pastor Josh and I. And so our state bird in Arkansas is a mosquito. And <laughs> when you mow the grass, you've got to worry about mosquitoes and chiggers. Do you know what chiggers are? I don't even know what they are, but I lived most of my life, eat up with them. And so I would have to push mow my yard, and I hated that. And I'll never forget the day. I'm not certain if I was already spirit baptized, but were I not, I am confident that I was refilled with the Holy Spirit the day my parents bought a riding lawnmower. Because it was easier then. I could get on that riding lawnmower. I'll never forget the first day I did it. I jumped on that riding lawnmower and I rode all over the yard. I rode this way and this way. I didn't go in lines. I did figure eights. I turned it up on two wheels. I just rode and rode for hours and hours and hours. And Anson, after I rode for a while, I started looking back behind me and I realized, Brother Frank, that nothing had changed from when I started riding that lawnmower. You see, interesting thing about riding mowers, <clears throat> you got to engage that blade. Y'all laugh. You don't mow your own grass either. Here's the thing. Some people look at their lives and they go, why hasn't anything changed? Why isn't this better? Why didn't this change? I've been riding around this problem for a long time. I've been riding around this same piece of grass for 10 years, 5 years, 3 months. I've been, I just keep riding around it because nothing changes till you engage what you got to change where you are. Say amen to that. I got to engage my imagination and then I got to act different. Say act. I got to act different. I got to do things differently. Listen, you got to act like who you want to be. Somebody said you got to fake it till you make it. In church we say we fake it till we feel it. <laughs> you got to act like who you are wanting to be. Listen, if all you change is your mind and you don't change your actions, I think like a thin person, but I act like a fat boy. I think salad, I act Krispy Kreme. Uh-huh. I got to change how I act. Say act. I got to change how I act. But it all starts in my mind. It all starts in what I think. And part of being created in the image of God is to be a very big word. Just stick around. I'm going to help you with understanding this. I didn't know what it meant either. But God is and you and I are created to be proleptic. Write that down. P-R-O-L-E-P-T-I-C. Proleptic. To understand 
how life can be better and full. We are constantly going back to Genesis and sort of looking at what was God's original idea. So I want to take you back there. If you have a copy of the scriptures or you have a digital copy on your iPhone or your smart device, Genesis 1 and 1, we'll go back to the beginning and see what was in God's mind from the beginning. Genesis 1 and 1, I'm reading from the New King James. It says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form or void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, Genesis 1 and 2 is a prolepsis. A prolepsis is the representation or the assumption of a future act or development as if it presently existed or was already accomplished. Now, can you grasp that without an extra hour of sleep? <laughs> it's hard to do. Let, let, me, let me help you a little bit further. Let me give you an example. You'll, you'll be able to understand it when I give you this example. Some people have approached their sex life with a proleptic mindset. You already act married when you're not married. That wasn't meant as a slam. I just wanted you to know what that meant. Now you know exactly what I mean. <laughs> now you know what it's, what it's like to be proleptic. It's to act like something when I'm not something. It's to have it in my mind when I don't have it in reality. It's to live in such a way that what's in my mind will eventually become my reality. The earth did not exist. We know it didn't exist in Genesis 1 and 2 because there was tension between something is there but it's void and it doesn't have a form and it's empty and it's dark and and, and then God's spirit hovers over it and it's got depth to it because it said it hovers over the deep. Genesis 1 and 2 is a prolepsis because the earth only existed, listen close, in the mind of God at that particular time. Everything on earth wasn't on earth except in God's mind. But God spoke about it like it was already there. He said, you don't see it like I see it. All you see is darkness and it doesn't really have shape yet and it doesn't have form yet and it's void. But I see something. I'm describing an event that takes place before it really has taken place. I'm treating the future as if it's already happened. Stick with me. That very same God who talks about earth that way in Genesis 1 and 2, Romans 4, 17, Paul says, God, that same God who gives life to the dead, listen to this, and He calls those things which do not exist as though they did exist. He said that your God and my God sees things for our lives that don't currently exist but he calls them by name like they do exist. In other words, if you're here today and you're sick, it could be what currently exists, but in God's mind, if his plan for you is to be healed and whole, then he calls you healed and whole. That's what I see for you. If you're in a bad job right now, if, if you're in a marriage that's falling apart right now, if you don't, if you're not fulfilled in the life that you've chosen, the path that you're on right now, your spiritual life is lacking. Where you currently are isn't what God always calls it because your Bible said He calls those things that don't currently exist as though they did. In other words, in the physical world, 
in the very beginning, there's just chaos. But in the spiritual world, there's order. I love the word earth in Genesis 1 and 2 in the Old Testament. That word is better translated cosmos. He he created the cosmos. It's an interesting word because cosmos means order and arrangement. It means order and arrangement. Order and arrangement. And your Bible says that the Spirit of God hovers over chaos. And out of chaos He sees order and arrangement. In the mess of the darkness and the depth of darkness... And with no void, and it was, it, was, it was without form. It didn't really have shape. I don't even know what it was. But God said, whatever that thing is, here's what I see in that chaos. I see order. Let me pause here and tell you, just because your life is a mess right now doesn't mean that God doesn't see order in your life right now. As a matter of fact, your Bible says that the Spirit of God hovers over That chaos, I love that language because here's what I do. I start thinking there's no way God could get close to my mess. There's no way that God's interested in what I'm going through. There's no way that God's really close to where I am. This thing's chaotic. My life is a mess. I'm addicted and messed up. Our family's splintered and broken up. My marriage is almost over. Our relationship is on the rocks. I'm in financial ruin. How is God close to this? But your Bible says that the Spirit of God hovers over that chaos. Let me pause to tell you that God is close to your chaos. God is close to what you're going through. God's Spirit hasn't left you. As a matter of fact, I would submit to you that God is working on stuff you don't even know He's working on. God's creating some order out of your chaos and He's got a plan for you you don't even see. Shout amen to them. Y'all don't get me excited. And so God said, I see order where there's chaos. I see earth where there's no shape. And because I saw it there, He could speak it there. And it was created there. And then He put humans on that earth to have dominion over that earth. The biologist Craig Vintner who has sequenced the human genome. He's figured out how to use a computer to map and design the genetic code of any organism. He and his team are on the verge of creating synthetic life. And yet, once they put that genetic code that they can reproduce, they put that inside of a Petri dish, and they turn it into some sort of organic matter. They set it in that Petri dish. They've got all the components. All the genes are there. All the stuff that's supposed to be there is there. And yet, In order to make that, Brother Jeff, in order to make that Petri dish live, he has to take living tissue from something else and put it inside that Petri dish. Because Craig Vintner, as talented as he is, as advanced as we are scientifically, we still can't create something from nothing. But your God isn't like me. And He's not like you. Our God said, I'll step into the nothing of the world and He becomes that motive force that creates life where there isn't life. He creates that spark of life where there is no spark of life. He creates it. He was that motive force that created everything that ever was and ever will be. And He did so by speaking life into it. Nothing can come 
from nothing except when God speaks into it. And you could be looking at your situation thinking there's no way, there's no hope. This is nothing. Our marriage is done. My business is over. I'm too far. I've done too much. I've gone too much. I've said too much. We're too far. We're in too deep. But friend, brother or sister, let me tell you today, our God can take the nothing of your life and the chaos and the mess that you have and He can create something beautiful out of that. It existed in His mind and then He created that to be. And here's what excites me and here's what I'm preaching to you today. If in fact that's true about God and I believe that it is. And if in fact it's true that you and I are created in His image and in fact I believe we are, then you and I have the very same ability that things can happen in our mind. We can imagine something in our mind. And if we can get our mind right, we can change our lives. I can create something that doesn't exist currently because I got it in my mind to create things that exist in some chaotic mess but they need some form and some function and some purpose let me tell you there are people in the room today that have businesses that are only in your mind but with God's help there's some stuff coming out of your mind that you're going to create that has never before been created some of you come from families that have always been broken my mom and dad split up my grandparents split up their parents Parents split up. Everybody in my family, all my generations are alcoholics. All the men beat their wives. Everybody had a temper. Nobody's ever done it this way. Uh, you, listen, you just can't change who we are. This is just what, this is just the way it is. But let me tell you, friend of mine, if in your mind you've got a family that's functioning and in order and a family that God blesses and God puts together, let me tell you, anything is possible to them that believe anything is possible. You can be the one that stays together. Your family can be the one that makes it through. You can be the man that breaks the cycle. You can be the woman that stays home. You can be the one. If I put it in my mind, if I can get it in my mind, if I can get it in my mind, I can create it in my world. So many people of faith fail to understand the life-giving capacities that we were created for. And if we use them properly, they bring honor to God. Listen, I am not praying for you to get a good business, for you to create something, for you to be an entrepreneur, for you to have a good family, for you to get uh, off of drugs or, or lay down some addiction. I'm not praying for that just so you can walk around and think, what did I make? Look what I did. Look what I created. Look how I did this. Look how I put this together. I created all of this. I made all of this. I'm a self-made man. No, no, no. My prayer for you is this. That as you get in your mind what it is God has for you, that when you finally get to that destination, you look back over your long life and you say, no one but God could have done what has been done in my life. Nobody but Him could help me. Nobody but Him could make me. Nobody but God could fix what I'm going through. Nobody but Jesus could do what He's done for me. Shout Amen! So you and I have the innate ability to imagine. That's what separates us from all other living creatures as we can think 
that we're something that we're not. I have a two and a half year old daughter. She's right back there doing what most of you are. She's watching cartoons, listening, or pretending she's listening to me. You're not watching cartoons like she is, but we have a few stairs. We have a lot of stairs in our house. And when you walk in the front door, you're looking at our staircase in, in, our, in our house, and I'm thankful for our home. And, but we were scared to death having a baby with stairs. Brother Jeff, terrified. It was our first baby anyway. I knew I didn't know what I was doing. I hope my wife knew what she was doing. And we were scared to death of these stairs. But shortly after, Pastor Josh, you got, you got the same setup in your house and you got a new baby. Shortly after she could sort of get mobile and crawling and moving around, she would she'd take off up the stairs, terrified us. I just knew her mama's going to let her fall. I was prepared to blame her mama. It didn't matter, Doug. What happened? I was prepared it was her fault. And she would crawl up those stairs just as fast. And then when she would go down, I'm going to do it for you. So y'all got to stand up and look. When she would go down those stairs, she'd turn around and she'd get straight as a board. And she'd slide all the way down those stairs from the second floor to the first floor. I just knew it wasn't going to be good. And I was going to blame her mama. But she mastered them. She goes down those stairs so fast now. But recently... Recently, we don't know why, we monitor media in our home, we're pretty strong about that, we really don't know where it came from, but she is terrified that there's a tiger that lives at the bottom of the stairs. Her mama. And so she'll get to the top of the stairs and she'll say, Daddy, I go downstairs, the tiger get me. And so... I'll take her by the hand and we'll walk down the stairs. And the whole time, <laughs> she tells herself out loud, Tiger not going to get me. Tiger not going to get me. Tiger not going to get me. All the way down the stairs. Now the craziest thing about this whole system, well, the same thing happens when we go up the stairs. Daddy, I want to go upstairs. Tiger going to get me. And we walk upstairs. The craziest thing about this system I can't figure out, Brother Rudy, is at some point about halfway up the stairs, she looks at me and says, Daddy, be Tiger. And be tiger means I have to get down on all fours. And I have to growl. Y'all laugh. Y'all got kids. I have to growl all the way up the stairs. Arr, tiger. And she loves it. Now listen. What makes her different than my puppy is my puppy can't imagine being a tiger. But my baby has no problems imagining daddy's a tiger. You can get a calculator. And that calculator can help you find the square root of 347,912. It can figure out the problem. But a calculator can't imagine being a tiger. That's unique to humans. And some of you are trying to figure out the equation to your life. Why it happened this way. Why I was born to this family. If I just add this, subtract that, and multiply by this. If I divide by this, add this, and multiply by that, I can figure this out. No. You see, you and I aren't calculators. You and I have an imagination. That means you and I can say in our minds, I don't have to figure it out. I can be somebody else if I want to be. 
I don't have to figure out why my daddy abused me. I don't have to figure out why I was born to this family. I don't have to have all the answers. I'm not a calculator. I'm a person. And that person is created in the image of God. And in the image of God, I can imagine a life that's better than this life. And if I can get it in my mind, then I can be anything that I've ever wanted to be. If I can get it in my mind that I have the ability to create something that doesn't currently exist. It's the ability to imagine something that separates us. Albert Einstein said, Imagination is more important than knowledge because knowledge is limited to all we now know and understand. But imagination, my friends, embraces the entire world and all that will ever be known and understood. And so a key to fulfillment in your life with God is imagining and creating in partnership with God. Imagining and creating in partnership with God. Figuring out what God wants for me and then creating what God's designed me to be. Saying, God, what is it that you've planned for my life? How do you, how do you see our marriage going? How do you see my career? God, tell me where you want me to be. God, tell me exactly how my life is planned out. God, I want what's in your mind. And so in my imagination, I see a better life. And so then I engage myself and act like I got a better life. And soon and very soon, what started in my mind becomes my reality. You and I were designed to imagine something better for ourselves. We were not just simply meant to take up space in this world. There is a a, a famous political movement that began a couple of years ago just outside of downtown Manhattan in a city park called Occupy Wall Street. It quickly spread to other major metropolitan cities, not only in America but around the world. Occupy Austin, Occupy San Antonio, Occupy everything but a job. Occupy I occupy, just sit around, and here's the, here's the idea. If we stand around in this park long enough, then politicians will see us and hear us. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's true. Maybe there's nothing wrong with peaceful protests. Maybe that's true. Here's where it becomes wrong. When you live your life just occupying space. I'm just going to sit around and occupy. I'm just going to be here until God does something. I don't really plan on changing anything. I don't really plan on moving anywhere. I'm just going to occupy. I'm just going to sit right here and occupy this job. I'm going to complain about it. I hate it. I'm going to gripe about it, but I'm going to occupy it. I'm just going to occupy this marriage. I'm not going to work on a better marriage. I don't want to read any marriage books. I'm sure not going to marriage counseling I halfway come to church when they preach about marriage, but I'm just going to occupy this bad marriage. Y'all don't do that. I'm just going to occupy. I'm just going to keep wandering around and just meandering around. Let me tell you what religious people do. Religious people occupy using spiritual terms. They say things like this. Well, I'm just waiting on God. What they mean is, I'm waiting on God to do it for me. They just forgot the last part of the sentence. 
They mean I'm waiting on God to just come through miraculously and do something and change everything. Now listen, you're in a church that believes that God can change anything. He's a miracle worker. He can heal anybody, help anybody, change any situation. Anything's possible with God. But let me tell you how it usually happens. It usually happens that you stop occupying where you currently are and you get up and you put one foot in front of the other and you say, okay God, I'm going to start functioning where I'm supposed to to be and on my way to where you want me to be I believe you're going to come alongside me and change everything in my life I'm going to get in my mind where I'm supposed to be and then I'm going to get up and walk to where I'm supposed to be I'm designed you're designed we're designed to function to function touch somebody beside you and say function function touch somebody else and say function you're designed to function You're designed to function. Now listen, when something is dysfunctional, you know what that means? That does not mean that it's just bad. When somebody says my family is dysfunctional, that doesn't mean it's a bad family or a family that fights or yells or a family with addiction problems. Those aren't dysfunctional families. Dysfunction means they're not functioning the way God designed them to function. That's what that means. So some of us have decided to live our lives dysfunctionally. We're not functioning where God called me to function. I'm just talking about what God's going to do for me. I'm just talking about waiting on, hoping that God's going to do something for me. And when we do that, we always set our expectations really low. God, I just hope. I know I need, I need a lot of stuff, but God just, I tell you what, I need some new shoes. So God, if you can, you can heal blind eyes and open deaf ears. Please make my shoes brown. God, that's the only miracle that I need you to perform. And we, we live, we live down here and our expectations are down here because we don't want to get up and function in the place that God's called us to function. Because when you do that, then you've got to decide how you're going to pay for new brown shoes. You're not waiting on them to drop out of the sky. (laughs) I'm getting up and I'm functioning in something. I'm deciding to do this. I'm not just talking about it or hearing about it. I'm tired of living a dysfunctional life. I'm ready to start functioning in my life. I'm tired of my marriage being dysfunctional. I'm tired of my career being dysfunctional. I'm tired of me being dysfunctional. My mind being dysfunctional. So I'm going to get up and start functioning in where I'm supposed to be, how I'm supposed to live, where I'm supposed to go, the calling God's designed for me, who I'm supposed to be. If I can get it in my mind, if I can imagine it, in my mind, then I can start functioning in it. That's why your Bible says in James 1, James said, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. You and I deceive ourselves if we think we can just hear about a better life and not have to do better living. Too many people come to church, I feel my help. Too many people come to church saying, teach me, talk to me, preach to me about a better life, attend life, an overcoming life, an abundant life. And I just want to leave and through osmosis, I'm going to get a better life. No, no, no. You and I have to hear the word. And then when we walk out those doors, we got to pull our pants up. 
put one foot in front of the other and say, I'm going to start functioning the way he said I could live. He said I could be blessed. I'm going to start functioning blessed. He said I could have a good marriage. I'm going to start functioning in good marriage. He said I could be healed and whole. I'm going to be functioning healed and whole. Touch somebody and say, function. Function. you got to start doing something about it. you got to start acting something about it. It's not enough to imagine. Walt, it's not enough to have it in your mind. i got to put it on paper. And Buzz, you got to go build Disneyland. No kids can enjoy the rides in my head. It starts in my mind, but i got to function in what God's given me. That's why your Bible says in Matthew 9, the second chapter, it opens up, I hope to preach to you about it someday, it opens up when Jesus going to Capernaum. Now, Capernaum is the headquarters of Jesus' ministry at this particular season of his ministry. Pastor Randy, this is where he is headquartered for the moment. As a matter of fact, it kind of ends in this story, uh, headquarters in Capernaum. But he walks back into Capernaum across the lake. He goes across the lake and walks in. The very first story that we encounter is this one. We encounter a man who is paralyzed. Matthew, the ninth chapter. Mark also records it, Mark 2. But Matthew 9 says this, Then behold, as soon as Jesus gets to Capernaum, then behold, they brought to him a paralytic man who was lying on a bed. He was paralyzed. He couldn't move. He couldn't move. He couldn't move. He was paralyzed. Now, Pastor Josh, I want you to sit real still and don't shake your head or move your leg. Just don't move. Now, you're not moving, but you're not paralyzed, right? You can move. You're just not moving. The difference in someone who's paralyzed and someone who's sitting still is the paralyzed man, there was a disconnect between what his brain told his body to do and what his body did. You see, paralyzed people want to move their legs, but their brain sends a signal to their legs to move, and their legs don't move. Their mind sends a signal to their arms to twitch, but their arms don't twitch. And so Jesus said, here sits a man who is paralyzed because his body wasn't doing what his mind said to do. Some of us in this building today are paralyzed in our lives because our bodies aren't functioning in what our mind says to do. We live in a state of paralysis because we're not functioning in the calling that our minds say to do. That thing God gave you, that imagination, you see yourself writing a book, You see yourself starting a business. You see yourself with a better marriage. You see yourself getting help. You see yourself coming off of alcohol and drugs. You see yourself dealing with your private addiction. You see yourself. You see a better family. You see your kids coming home. God's given you the ability to imagine. Be a tiger, Daddy. I can do that. I can imagine that. But my body's not doing what my brain says do. And I'm paralyzed. And then your Bible says... That that paralytic man lied in a bed. That's what I do when I get paralyzed. I make a bed for it. That's what we do. We make a bed for our problems. We make a bed for our failures. We make a bed for our addictions. 
We make a bed for our afflictions. We make a bed for our bad marriage. We make a bed for a bad career choice. We make a bed for our financial ruin. We make a bed and we just lie down in it. And we're not moving because our body's not doing what our brain says do. I want a better life. But there's a disconnect between my head and my hands. I want a better marriage. But I made this bed. I kind of got comfortable down here. It's in my mind. I just can't make my legs move. And I'm dysfunctional. Because I'm not functioning in what God's told me to do. And how God called me to act. And the way God called me to be. I'm dysfunctional. You're dysfunctional. We're dysfunctional. When we don't move. When our mind says move. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Some of you in this room. Your mind is telling you it's time to move. The imagination God gives you is running wild. About what God's called you to do. How God's equipped you. Some of you need to make a move towards spirituality. Some of you, your mind's telling you. God's imagining you. In His mind, He sees you. Getting your spiritual life in order. Being water baptized. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Some of you, in your mind's eye, you see a better family, a healthy marriage, your kids at home, whole. Some of you, in your mind, you're able to imagine You've conquered it in your mind. But there's a disconnect between your brain and your body. You're dysfunctional and you're paralyzed because you're not functioning in what your mind says do. My friends, brothers and sisters, we got to get our minds thinking the way God wants us to think. And then we got to get our bodies moving where God wants us to move. Stand to your feet. Our prayer partners are meeting me at the front. Our pastors. With your eyes still closed, I'm going to give you a chance to start functioning today. I'm going to give you a chance to get in your mind what God's called you to do. Some of you are imagining a better career. Some of you are imagining something that's never existed before. A book that's yet to be written. A company that's yet to exist. Some of you are imagining a better family tree. Your family tree is so splintered. Don't leave yet. Don't move. Your family tree is so splintered with addiction and alcoholism and abuse. And you're thinking, how in the world can God do something out of this? I'm I'm the first one who would ever go through college. I would be the first man who ever held down a job. I would be the first woman who ever stayed with her husband. I don't know if this is possible or not. Let me tell you, my friends, it's possible. If you can imagine it, God has given you and I the ability to create a world that we only see in our minds. So with your eyes closed, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do what only you could do. That you would walk these aisles and balcony front to back, side to side, and you would convict the hearts of men, women, and young people. That God, we could see your mind, that we could get in your mind. That we could get into your mind. That we could imagine a better world, a better life, a better family, better kids. A more and abundant life, a better life. And that we would start functioning. 
that that disconnect that's broken between my head and my hands between my brain and my body that disconnect that's paralyzing us would be healed today in Jesus name and that concludes today's podcast thanks again for listening